Thank you, Father God, for the time that we could spend with you and with our family and friends. Amen. We thank you for your great mercies and your compassion. We feel that compassion this morning, that love that only God can provide for us in a perfect way. Amen. We thank you for that. And we praise you for the word that you've given to the church this morning. We pray, God, that it would flow through our lips, that you would receive the glory and honor, that we would hear what the Spirit of God would say to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you on the subject, Fruitful Seasons. And I've chosen this title for a reason. The word fruitful means productive, abundant, successful or profitable, rewarding, effective or a prosperous period of time. In the last few weeks, I've had the privilege of people contacting me that have not contacted me in many years, out of the clear blue. And I thought about that, and I have meditated on it. And I've heard from some of you that certain folks have come back into your life for a period of time that you were able to either share the gospel with or a time with them of recreation. And I said, Lord, what, what are you saying to us? What, what's the message here? Because there's no coincidences in God's kingdom. Amen? Amen? I believe in divine providence and divine destiny. You've heard me preach that for years. And I believe nothing is by accident. But God, he sort of orchestrates our lives and the journey that we take. So this morning, as I preach on fruitful seasons, I, I want you to be mindful of what I've just said about people coming back into your life from the past, uh, new acquaintances, uh, some old relationships that will be renewed and are being renewed. It's a wonderful thing to help one another. It's a wonderful thing to be there for another person or for that person to be there for you. We all need comfort. We all need support. We all need encouragement. Amen. Amen. And God wants to provide that in the last days because we live in a world of chaos. We live in a world that's so out of control and so complex and so full of questions. So uh, bear with me as we speak this word. Matthew chapter 21, verse 33. Here another parable, Jesus said. There was a certain householder, and that's the owner of the vineyard, which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and let it out to the husbandmen and went into a far country. The man who owned this vineyard planted the vineyard. And he planting a vineyard is hard work. It's not that you just put one plant in the ground and you, and you go away. It's work. It's, 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 it's doing a, a lot of toil in the soil and so on and so forth. And the Bible says he planted that vineyard and hedged it about. He wanted to protect it. He wanted to uh, build a hedge around it, a fence, uh, that which separates and, and prevents something from coming in and destroying his hard work in his vineyard. The word uh, uh, hedged about means to fence in or to close up or to put to silence. And I, and I like that phrase, to put to silence. The enemy always wants to come into your space. The enemy always wants to break the hedge that God places around you. 
He wants to afflict you. He wants to put sickness. He wants to put depression, oppression. He wants to put turmoil in your family all around you so that you're disconnected from God for those moments. And he works uh, very, very well, the enemy does, because he's seductive and cunning. And the Bible says that this uh, husbandman, this owner of the vineyard, planted this vineyard and put a hedge around it. And then the Bible says he digged a wine press in it. And what, what's the wine press? I'll just tell you from the commentary. It was a tub or a trough that was shaped, a shaped receptacle. It was a vat in which grapes are trodden. And the lower vat dug into the ground into which we must see the new wine flowed from the press. So in other words, they pressed the grapes and the grapes went through a process. And as the process was taking place, the new wine was produced. Now, dig with, uh, stay with me for a moment. Not only did he put a, a fence around the, the vineyard and hedged it in and, built, and dig the wine press, but then he, he put a tower. He built a tower. Now, what's, what's the tower? The tower was a fortified structure rising to a considerable height to repel a hostile attack or enable a watchman to see in every direction. So let me summarize what I just said to you so you can understand it very simply. The vineyard is the church. The vineyard is also your individual life in Christ, okay? God goes to great lengths to place a hedge around us to protect us. And then he digs a wine press in our life so the fruit can be processed and produce new wine in our life. Sometimes you have to get crushed. Sometimes we're like olives. Sometimes we're like grapes. And sometimes we have to go through trial and tribulation. None of us like it. No one likes pain. No one likes discomfort. But God allows us to go through that. Okay, and I'll show you in a moment. And then he says he built a tower. And the tower in our life, praise God, is spiritual discernment that God gives us. He tells us to watch and pray. He gives us that discernment. He, he says, watch who comes into your sheepfold. Watch what thoughts come into your mind. Watch what other people say to you that can influence you in a negative way. You know, one negative thought can throw you off for the whole day. One bad phone call can throw you off for the whole day. One bad text can throw you off for the whole week. Because we're vulnerable. We're vulnerable. We're human. We have a human carnal nature sometimes. And we react to it emotionally. So here's what God is saying. He said, you, you could ask uh, God and say, well, why do you allow the enemy to come into my space sometimes? Well, perhaps like Job, God wants to brag on you that you will not turn away from him no matter what the situation or circumstance is in your life right now. Hey, listen, some folks are going through a hard time. I never minimize a hard time because I've been through a hard time. I'm going through a hard time myself. Don't minimize it. I don't minimize it. Okay, and God is saying to us, he says, sometimes, okay, we have to learn spiritual warfare. We have to learn to fight back. You know, the bully wants to beat us up. The bully wants to throw us against the wall and hit us with the broom. The bully wants to give us a black eye. But there comes a time in your life when you got to stand up to the bully and say, no more. No more. I'm not taking your nonsense no more because I belong to Jesus Christ and I belong to the kingdom of God and I'm not taking this. I know God pulls the hedge sometimes because God wants to see how faithful we're going to be in that trial and affliction. What happened in the book of Job chapter 1 verse 8? And the Lord said unto Satan, and he's having a conversation with the enemy, Hast thou considered my servant Job? This is God saying to uh, Satan, Have you considered Job? 
and that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that fears God and escheweth evil? God's having a conversation with the enemy. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he had on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. Satan is saying this. Oh, he's going to turn his back on you. Just pull the hedge a little bit. Let him go through a trial or a tribulation. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he had is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. What's going on here? God is giving the enemy permission to take the hedge away from Job just for a season. Just for a season. Not forever. And sometimes the hedge is taken away from us for a season. It does not mean God has forsaken you. It does not mean God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that, you, that Jesus Christ isn't a bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh. It means none of that, okay? He's testing us, and he's teaching us spiritual warfare, and he's teaching us to guard our heart and guard our soul and guard our homes and our children and our grandchildren and all that we love and our friends and say, God, I want you, praise the Lord, to touch my family, my friends, the church. I want you to, Lord, help us. And, Lord, when you pull the hedge away, help us to stand in the gap for that person. Hallelujah. Because they might not have the strength to do that, but, Lord, let me step into that gap and make up that hedge for them in the name of Jesus Christ so they can come tr through this trial and tribulation and give you the glory and the honor. Can you say amen to that? Amen. The Bible says in 21, Matthew 21, verse 34, and when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. So here's the owner of the vineyard saying, okay, I want you to go see what's going on in my vineyard. I, I, I want you to receive the fruits. I want you to receive the profits. This man was in business. And he, and he loaned out his vineyard to this husbandman who was supposed to take care of it for him. Be careful who you loan out your heart to. I said, be careful who you loan out your heart to. Because people will trample it if you're not careful. <laughs> Don't have confidence in some people because they'll trample your heart. They might have smooth words like butter in, in, in Psalm 55, but they have a knife in your back at the same time. They're wolves in sheep's clothing, so be careful. When the time of the fruit drew near, which was a specific time frame, you have to understand that, or a window of harvest. I believe we are in a specific time frame right now. We are in a period and a window of harvest to cultivate relationships that we once had, to cultivate new relationships, to bring people to the Lord, to show people the compassion and the healing of Jesus Christ. Do you know, if you look in the New Testament, Jesus never healed anyone without compassion. There's two things that are necessary for healing, compassion and healing. Hear what I'm saying? And the ability of God flowing through that person. Jesus always had compassion on people. And when you have compassion on people, when you pray for people and you have God's compassion on them, that is helping that person to become healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. The Bible says that I, I wrote this. This is the time when we're about to come into a blessing. This is the, the specific time frame or a new place in Christ. 
The time when divine providence and divine destiny meet and smile on you with God's favor and blessings. I believe this is the time when divine providence and divine destiny wants to smile upon the church and smile upon you as people of God and say, listen, I want to bless you. I want to help you. I want to heal you. I do not want to forsake you. God says, I'm with you always, even to the end. He's with us. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3.1, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing by accident. I've lived long enough, you know, in my lifetime to understand divine providence and divine destiny. <laughs> You're going to be at the right place at the right time. You're going to meet the right person at the right moment. And I'm telling you, this is the time when God is trying to cultivate that and open the eyes of the church and give us vision and hope to see who's calling you, whose cry of the human heart is God wanting you to hear. God is trying to make a message to the church and he's trying to say, I want to have compassion on other people. Those people that you think are just lost forever. And if you listen to my sermon on Wednesday night on the audio, as it'll be put up on the app, I want to tell you something. God goes to great lengths. He goes to great lengths to reach people. Those people that you think will never come to Christ. Listen, you need to listen to that audio message. Praise God. Because the eternal purpose of God is that none would perish. Hallelujah. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. But you're going to have to go through a few things. Praise God. So God can cultivate your heart. Hallelujah. So that God can prove you. Hallelujah. That you are faithful to him. That you will take the journey and say, Lord, no matter what, I'm a locomotive and I'm coming through for you no matter what the enemy throws at me in the name of Jesus. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 concerning the season of time. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, not made under the law. What's he saying? 700 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah prophesied about the coming of the Lord. But Jesus Christ was not one day early or one not day late. I said he was not one day early or one day late. He came when he was supposed to come. Because there's a season to everything. And there's a season that you're living in right now. The Bible says in Psalm 69 verse 13. But as for me, Lord, listen to this. My prayer to you is for a time of favor. In your abundant, faithful love, God, answer me with your sure salvation or your healing, which is what salvation means. I want to read that to you again. Here's what God is saying. The, the psalmist said this, but as for me, Lord, put your name in there. Put your name in there personally. But as for me, Lord, my prayer to you is for a time of favor. We have favor with God. The whole idea of God uh, wrestling with Jacob all night. God comes down from heaven and he wrestles with Jacob all night. And after wrestling with him all night, he says to Jacob, what's your name? And he says, Jacob. And God's looking at him and saying, you don't get it, son, do you? I've been wrestling with you all night. And that's all you can say is your name is Jacob. No, he says, your name is Israel. Because you prevail with God and you'll prevail with man. Don't you get it, Jacob? I'm changing your name from that carnal man, from that carnal, sneaky, manipulative, seductive nature, the cheater in you, okay, the liar in you, 
the con man in you, the first con man of the Bible, so to speak. I'm going to change you, Jacob. And no longer should you walk this earth saying, my name is Jacob, because now your name is Israel. It's the same with us, my friend. God has changed your name. And praise God, when you get to heaven, he's going to give you a new name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And you're going to have a new name. But we got to start living that new name now, even though you might know that new name, because God says, I want to give you favor. Favor. And what did the psalmist say? In your abundant, faithful love, God, answer me with your sure salvation, or it means healing and deliverance, that word salvation. We're in the time. We're in the time. I know a lot of people keep saying it's going to happen and when it happens in the future. I'm done with that. I'm done. I'm done with that because the Bible says now unto him. What does the word now mean? Now means the present moment. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Ephesians 3.22. What does the word of God say? Now. Not tomorrow. Now. And when the church gets that message that now God wants to work in your life, I'm tired of hearing prophetic utterances of what God's going to do 10 years from now or five years from now or 20 years from now. I want to know what God's going to do in my life today. Hallelujah. And now God says, I'm coming to you now, son. Listen, when I meet God in prayer, when I meet God at the altar, he's a now time God. He don't wait for tomorrow to answer me. He don't wait for tomorrow to hear my prayers. When I come to God, he's hearing my prayers now. Because why? I have faith with God. I'm silly enough to think that I have faith with God. I'm a child of God. I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. That's who I am. Who are you this morning? The devil wants to strip us of who we are. He wants to strip you of your identity and put you into a malaise and a sleep. I have favor with God. I said, I have favor with God. And Jacob was no better than me. And I'm no better than Jacob. Because God is no respecter of persons. But he wants to bless you just like he wants to bless Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, or anybody else that lived in the Bible. Come on, can you say amen? amen. So what happened in Matthew 21, 35? And the husbandman took his servants... These are the ones that the owner sent and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Wait a minute. You don't even own this property. He loaned it out to you so you can make a living and a profit. And now he's just coming to collect his profit and his fruit. It's not like he's taking everything for himself. He's sharing it with you. That's why he rented it to you. So the husbandman who owns the vineyard sends these people to collect his fruits. And what does the the husbandman do that's watching the vineyard. He beats one, kills another, and stones another. What does this represent? This represents the malicious behavior of the enemy and wicked men. Malicious. People are evil. When you don't know God, you're evil. I said people are just downright evil. They're, they're, they're evil in what they do in their violent acts. This is, a, this is an outright war, my friend. This is what this is saying. See, what this is here, these are interruptions. When this person who was taking care of this vineyard beat one, killed another, and stoned another, stoned another, these what I call interruptions or obstacles or stumbling blocks causing the fruit not to be rendered on time. 
preventing us from coming into our season of favor with God. Listen, that's just the plan of the enemy. He's so deceitful. When you're on the verge of a miracle, when you're on the verge of a healing, when you're on the verge of receiving a blessing from God, he wants to throw a stumbling block in your way so you trip and you lose faith in God and say, what's the use of even praying? That's exactly what happens. We say, what else is going to happen? This is what this is our mantra. When we're on the road to a blessing and we're on our way to cash in a miracle from God from heaven. Come on, my friend. The enemy throws an obstacle at us because God pulls the hedge from us just momentarily and says, "Okay, what you going to do? You're going to give up. You're going to wave the white flag. You're going to say, hey, I'm not coming to church no more. I'm not believing in God no more. I'm done with this. This is not working for me. No, that's the time to press on because you have favor with God. Now is the time to press on when the enemy tries to press you. Praise God. He wants to prevent you from coming into what? Your season of favor with God. This is a fruitful season, my friend. And the enemy does not want you to enter that fruitful season. There's two churches in the earth. There's organized religion. Versus a living organism. There's an apostate church versus a remnant church. They did not allow Jesus in this church. You see, the vineyard is the church. That husbandman that was taking care of that land for that man who owned it, that vineyard represents the church. And today, a lot of people don't want God in their church. They don't want the Holy Spirit. They don't want Jesus in their church. Listen to what I'm I'm trying to tell you here. Praise God. The Bible says in verse 36, again, the man who owns the property, he sent other servants more than the first. More. Now I'm going to send more servants because those guys didn't come back because they're dead. And they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son saying, they will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and let us seize on his inheritance And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. They killed him. The owner of the vineyard sent his son. They said, well, they're not going to kill my son. (laughs) For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, they killed Jesus. But little did they know he woke up three days later. Hey, listen, there's a lot of religious leaders that have lived the earth and they have said a lot of beautiful things. And I'm not minimizing what they've said and what they've done. But there's only one that claimed to be risen from the dead, and that's Jesus. And if you go into any of the tombs where these men, religious men, and some of them were great men of God, great men, had great thoughts, helped society. But if you go in their tomb, you're going to find DNA. But if you go into the tomb of Jesus in Israel, there's no DNA. It's all been swept away because Jesus said, I must go to my father. And he sits at the right hand of God. Praise the Lord. Can you say amen to that? So here's what's happening. They killed the son thinking that this would be the end to the householder's efforts, okay, to bear fruit from the vineyard. You see, just when you think the enemy has killed you, just when you think the enemy has just taken your legs from under you, just when you think he's taken your breath away, God comes on the scene. God loves challenges. God is a man of war. He's a, he's a warrior. He's never lost a fight. He's never lost a fight, my friend. He's never lost a war. Praise God. So they, the, the enemy comes to say, hey, I, I'm going to take away all your hope. So the enemy goes to great lengths to kill our dreams, listen carefully, and our seasons of destiny with God. He doesn't want you to have vision. He doesn't want you to have hope for the future. He wants you to become a vegetable. You know, vegetable lasagna? I have no idea how people can eat vegetable lasagna. 
I have no idea. And where's the meat? <laughs> I mean, you might be a vegan, and that's wonderful. I, I, I love you if you're a vegan. But I tell you, don't give me vegetable lasagna. That's just not, it's not going to work for me. I mean, I, 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 need, I need lasagna, real lasagna, like my mother does, my wife I need real lasagna. I'm Italian, you're Italian, aren't you? We need real lasagna. Come on, give me a break here. You're going to give me vegetable lasagna. That's not going to work for me. And that's what people are turning into, vegetable lasagna. Very bland, very boring, like blase. No life, no passion, no enthusiasm, no zeal, lazy, just existing. For what? To eat, sleep, and go to the bathroom? That's it? Come on, man, you got favor with God. We're in a fruitful season. It's time to get up and move. It's time to do. It's time to live, not just exist, praise God, hallelujah. It's time to love life. You don't have to join with the sin of the world to enjoy life. You got to put a rope around people to get them out of their chair. You got to put rope around people to get them out of their house. Listen, you want the vaccine? Take it. You want to wear 10 masks? Wear them. But please, go out near the lake there and sit and put your feet in the water. Praise God. Hallelujah. Get some fresh air. That might do you some good. Come on, man. I don't care if you took it or you didn't take it. I don't care if you wear a mask or you don't wear a mask. But get some fresh air. Praise God. Say hello to me. How you doing? Even if it's from a distance. If you don't want to get too close to me. I went to drop off some stuff at the Salvation Army the other day. And I was about to step into the little place there near Walmart. And the lady yelled at me, no contact. I said, whoa, okay. No contact. I said, can I ask you a question? I said, didn't the governor lift all that? I said, why no contact? Well, we're not for profit. I said, okay. I don't know what that meant. But I said, have a good day, ma'am. We're not for profit. Okay. But the way, no contact. I, I would not step across that threshold for fear of what happened to me. I might get hit with a frying pan that someone donated. <laughs> no contact. Easy does it, lady. I'm not trying to breathe on you. I'm okay. I don't have leprosy. I'm not trying to give you no disease. I'm just trying to drop off a few things that maybe somebody can help. There's still good stuff here, okay? It's not trash. I'm not trying to get rid of my trash and put it on you. It's nice stuff here. And I said, have a great day. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you, you just can't argue with people. I, I don't want to argue with no one. Listen, I, I, I want you to get this principle here. The enemy goes to great lengths to kill your dreams and season of destiny with God. Listen now. In Christ, we will rise up once again, even though we may have been down for a season. We must always remember the resurrection principle as taught by Jesus Christ, lived by Jesus Christ, and experienced by Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 3, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again. There's the resurrection principle, the third day, according to the scripture. Now, how does that operate in my life, Pastor? Let me explain to you. If you go to John chapter 12, 24, okay, I'm going to give you two versions. Here's what Jesus said to the disciples in the church. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, 
Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. In the message version, it says this. Listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world. Mm, listen to that now, Christian. Dead to the world. It is never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it is buried... It sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. Ooh-wee. That's the resurrection principle in your life. God wants you to sprout. God wants you to reproduce yourself and other people, praise God, while you're witnessing Christ. But the enemy comes sometimes. And he says, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to do that. So he comes to try to slay us and kill our dreams. And sometimes it looks like it all goes up in smoke. All your plans, all your dreams and desires all of a sudden comes to nothing. You know what nothing is? Nothing. But how many knows that God can take nothing? Come on. That God can take nothing. That God took dust and made a man. And God put the man to sleep and took a rib out of his side and made a woman. That God spoke this all into existence. He said sun, there was a sun. He said moon, there was moon. He created everything that was in the earth, praise God. And he said it was good, hallelujah. And when he created man, he said it was very good, hallelujah. And when God created you, he said it's very good. Amen. The enemy comes and he tries to take your wind away. He tries to take your sails and tear them into pieces and shipwreck your ship. And it looks like everything is over. Listen, I've been there. I've done that. I'm in the ring and I'm knocked down. I'm just on the ground and the referee is going one, two, three. But there's another voice that's saying, get up, get up, get up. And somehow you muster the strength to get off that canvas, praise God, and say in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm coming through, and I'm going to smoke you, and I'm going to beat you, and I'm going to overwhelm you, and I'm going to overcome you, and I will get the victory in Jesus Christ because I am a man of favor with God. Resurrection principle. God will raise it back up. But we have to die to the world. Hear what God is trying to say to us. We have to die to the world. People are holding on for dear life. Hey, listen. Give it up, man. Give it up. You can hug this world all you want. You can go along to get along. And it's not going to get you nowhere. Because you have to take a stand for God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And sometimes taking a stand for God is going to alienate you from other people. God will have a church. Listen. In verse 40. When the Lord, therefore, of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? What husbandmen? The one that kills, the one that stones, the one that wants to give you trouble, the, the people that want to harass you and so on and so forth and vex you. They say unto him, he will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their seasons. You know who the other husbandmen are? Us. Us. You see, God's going to rid his vineyard of those that are false. He's going to rid the vineyard of the wolves. He's going to rid the vineyard of false teachers and false prophets and nonsense that's going on in the body of Christ that's infiltrating the church and tickling the ears of people that people are listening to. And they have no idea who they're listening to or what they're listening to. And it's sad 
because they're being waylaid and they're being beguiled just like the people in Galatian church were beguiled so quickly, removed from the gospel. God is saying, I'm going to give other husbandmen, praise God, the vineyard, and I'm going to entrust them with the fruits of the vineyard. Your dreams, your hopes, your destiny in Christ will produce spiritual fruit in the form of souls and in your posterity. We're not done, folks. I said we're not done. And I know some situations look hopeless in our family sometimes. But we pray for people. We pray for sons and daughters. We pray for husbands and wives. We, we pray. Listen, I'm not giving up. And I want to tell you, God did something to me on Wednesday night when I taught that lesson. I told my wife, I said, there's something snapped in me, in my spirit. It was like, wow, this is the mercies of God. Did I not understand the mercies of God before? Yes. But I understand the mercies of God more now. God goes to great lengths to speak to us, speak to us, to woo us, to bring us into his kingdom because he's a loving father. Hey, just ask yourself a question. Why wouldn't God already judge our nation? Why, why, Why would God not judge this nation for all that we've done through the years? And you, you know what's happened in this nation. Babies and children and so on and so forth. Crime. Oh, oh. You, you know. Why hasn't God judged it? I mean, totally. Because he's long-suffering. Because he's a parent that's not going to give up on his children. He's going to give us a chance after chance after chance. You know, we give up so easily. We throw the towel in. We stop praying. We stop fasting. We stop doing all that good stuff. We say, you know what, God? I'm just tired. I'm not doing this no more. They're on their own. No, they're not. No, they're not. You're the other husbandman. You're the people that God is saying stand in the gap. You're the people of of prophetic utterance. You're, You're the people of prophecy. You're the people of the end time. You're the remnant church. You're the believer in Christ. You are not going to give up that easily. Praise God. Hallelujah. Because we're going to press on in the name of Jesus Christ. And we're going to push through darkness and hell and high water and high waters and low waters and fires and whatever. And we're going to push through in the name of Jesus Christ. And we're going to get to the other side. God hates a quitter. He hates quitting. It's time for us to get back in the saddle and believe this word of God, okay? Because God gives us proof of his provision. He says in Acts chapter 14, verse 17, nevertheless, he left, he left not himself without witness, this is God, and that he did good and gave us rain from heaven. And fruitful seasons. This is our fruitful season. Filling our hearts with food and gladness. Is anybody hungry here? Is anybody going without here? Huh? Are you lacking anything really? What do they say in the book of Acts? This is our fruitful season. Filling our hearts with food and gladness. But listen carefully. Food. What's God saying here? God gave, which means he bestows gifts upon us. And and the Bible says that he gives rain from heaven. And and what is the rain? Listen carefully. It's moisture that God holds in his hand and releases when he desires to make things grow and come to fruition in our life. He holds moisture in his hand. Listen. He also holds spiritual moisture in his hand. 
And when he comes and starts sprinkling on you, and you think it's just a drizzle, it really is a flood. Because God says, stay under the spigot. Don't worry, you're not going to drown. Don't worry. See, God holds the water in his hand, and when he wants it to rain, he lets it go. In the spiritual realm, all truth is parallel, physical and spiritual. You hear me teach that all the time. He holds the spiritual rain on his hand. And he wants to give us the former rain, and he wants to give us the latter rain, and he wants us to be fruitful and productive and effective, praise God. And when things are brought to a crisis, when, 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 the, when the thing is brought to the epic, when the, when the thing is brought to the pyramid, to the, to, to the point of everything, God says, I'll rain on you. I'll rain on you. And I'll take that drought that's in your life right now, that despair, that discouragement, that depression, and I'll turn that all praise God into a fruitful praise God vineyard. I will rain upon you and your rose will grow again. Your tulips will grow again. Your spiritual roses and spiritual tulips will pop out of the ground. And once again, the resurrection principle, listen carefully, over the winter, all of that is covered with snow, but somehow the resurrection principle comes to life on those tulip bulbs and they pop through praise God hallelujah and always see you see yellow and you see red tulips why because God awakens them in the earth and God is trying to awaken the church He's trying to awaken the church but people are too busy too busy too busy doing their own agenda listen seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And if you're not doing that, you're not blessed. You will not get the favor of God. Until we put God first. That's what the Bible says. I didn't write the Bible. I just preach it. I teach it. But I know the principles. And sometimes when I'm in my alone moments, and I start to think, and I start to pray, and I say, God, I see up the road. I see destiny and providence up the road. But I also see, Lord, turmoil and shipwrecks and train wrecks. You know why? Listen, just read the book of Proverbs. Read the book of Proverbs in an easy version. And find out where you are in life. Because you know what? Some people are just whistling and chasing their own tail and looking for the powder rainbow, looking for everybody to do everything for them. It's not that way, my friend. It's not that way. We have too many lazy people in America. We have 9.3 million jobs and people don't want to work. We have businesses closing in America because people don't want to go to work. We have restaurants closing early because people don't want to go to work. We have warehouses that are full of things that cannot be processed because people don't want to go to work. Why? Because they are lazy. Look at what the Bible says in Proverbs about being slothful. That's why the Bible says go to the ant. You know, ants are annoying. But they're an army. People are living off the land, off other people. It's cheating, it's stealing, it's thievery. That's what it is. And people don't want to call it. He that doesn't work shouldn't eat. That's what the Bible says. People want an easy ride. After some of us have worked all of our lives. And then they want to take your social security. And they want to tax debt that's already been taxed on. They want to tax your pension that you played into, prayed into. Prayed every day to get up out of bed and go to work sick, hurting, painful. Not calling in sick. Saying, I'm going to endure. I've been through snowstorms. 
I've had a car wreck that almost killed me. I've hit four deer. I didn't stay home. I went to work to support my family, my wife, and my children. When I see lazy, I see slothful. And the Bible says a slothful person will come to nothing, will come to poverty. Just going last night out with my daughter and my wife, just in a little space of time, in a little while, I saw three hiring signs. Hey, listen, and they're not hiring for seven bucks an hour. $15 an hour with a bonus. Oh, but I can stay home and make more money. Oh, yes, you can. And bankrupt your society and bankrupt your country. What are we teaching our children? We're not teaching them the work ethic. We're not teaching them to do chores. We're not teaching them to take care of themselves. We pamper them. We baby them. And they grow up to be what? Babies. King babies. Always wanting. Always want. Crying, screaming until you give it to them. Oh, I want to tell you something. I didn't have to ever worry about an inner voice because I had an outer voice. When I got whacked on my fanny, my outer voice was activated. Yeah. We're afraid. We negotiate. I'm sick of it because it's killing our society. It's killing our society. It's killing our land. And people don't see it. They don't see it. That's just a sidebar. I didn't charge you for that. Praise God. Galatians chapter 1 verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let there be let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Seasons. We're in a season. The Bible says again in Galatians 4, 4, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman. When? In a particular time, in a specific time, in a particular and specific place, Jesus was born, prophesied, and it came to pass. Amen. <laughs> it came to pass. Bible is trying to teach us this is the time for the church and for us as individuals. This is the time for new and renewed friendships and relationships. This is the time to, to gather those from the past and present to break bread and rejoice with them. It's a divine moment. It's a divine moment when someone contacts you after years and say, hey, Rev, I was thinking about you today. I said, really? I said, what's going on, mister? Oh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm living in Hawaii now. <laughs> I haven't seen you and heard from you in years. And another person I, I, I haven't heard from in, I don't know, maybe 15 years, contacts me on Facebook. It's like, wow, where, where did this guy come from? You know, you know where he came from? Because God, God is bringing people back into our lives so we can be a blessing to them. To show them the favor of God that we have, praise God, to share that favor with them and say, is there anything that I can do for you? Can I pray for you? Can I help you? Can I be an encouragement? That's what God is saying. And look in your own lives how God has aligned you up with people, sick people. Some people are on their deathbeds that God has caused a friendship and say, listen, we're praying for you. Contact with people that you haven't had contact with. What's happening? Because we're in a fruitful season. And we have to cultivate that fruitful season. The Bible says in Deuteronomy, God promises blessings, refreshing and renewal. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 13. And it came to pass, he says, if you shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in due season. 
the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in the corn and the wine and the oil. And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full. Take heed to yourselves, that your heart be not deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. What is God promising? He's promising first the first rain, which was the early rain, the autumn rain, the rain which falls in Palestine from late October to early December. But then he says, I'll also give you the latter rain, which is the spring rain, the rain that comes in March and April, the rains which mature, mature the crops of Palestine. He wants to do that spiritually. He wants to combine the former rain and the latter rain upon our lives so that we could rise up once again and show people the compassion and the love of God. That's what it's going to take, folks. It's not going to take no motivational speaking. It's not going to take some big speeches and sermons, I told you so. It's going to be putting your arm around people and saying, you know, I really love you. I, I really appreciate seeing you. I, I really appreciate having a cup of coffee with you and listening to them. I, I really appreciate breaking bread with you and having lunch with you. I really appreciate that. And they're going to look at you and they're saying, man, you're different. Yeah, I just love God, man. I, I, I love people. I, I, I want to be a blessing to you. What can I do to help you? When, when you start saying you care to other people, Man, they're like on you like a magnet and not trying to take advantage of you, but saying, hey, listen, I, I want what you have. And maybe they already have it. So you can come together and pray for other people and help other people. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Amen. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 4, 3, there's conditions that must be met to get the rain, the former rain and the latter rain. He said, for thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. What's that mean? Let God plow your spiritual ground. Let God take the untilled and uncultivated part of your life and till it up. You see, God wants to refine you. Like Jeremiah said, God wants to put you in the potter's house. And none of us like to go to the potter's house. And it's not the woodshed that God's going to beat you up. It's just going down there so that he can refine you and make you a better glass of crystal. Praise God. And a more beautiful vase. That's all he wants to do. God, God is not mean to us. God is not evil to us. God is our father. He, he, he says, if evil parents give good things and give, give, give the gifts to their children, why wouldn't the heavenly father do even more? God is trying to fine tune us for the last day. And, he, and he's saying, in Jeremiah 4.3 in the message version, he says, here's another message from God to the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Plow your unplowed fields, but then don't plant weeds in the soil. <laughs> don't, be, don't be gardening in someone else's garden. Don't be pulling weeds from somebody else's garden. Pull your own weeds. Pull your own weeds. You know, we can be so critical sometimes, even as Christians. We can be so judgmental. Because there are people who would say, you know, this sermon is not for me. It's probably for her. <laughs> the sermon's not for me. It's probably for him. Because I know what's going on in his life. You don't know nothing. We assume, we suppose, and we presume, and we're usually not accurate. And we spread false information that's detrimental to another human being. That's why it's better to shut your mouth and put duct tape on it sometimes and not talk so you don't get yourself in trouble. It's the forward mouth that gets themselves in trouble. 
I said it's the froward mouth. That's what Proverbs says. Read the Proverbs again. Praise God. What's God saying to us? He's saying in Joel chapter 2, verse 23, Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Zechariah 10.1 says, Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. What's God saying? Ask for the rain. Ask for the former rain, but he says, ask for the rain in the, for the latter rain. This is what I want. This is what God is pouring out on the remnant believer and the remnant church. He is combining the former rain and the latter rain, and he's pouring out of his spirit upon his people. Some people don't want it. They just want to live sort of like a moderate, carnal Christian life, nominal. Don't rock the boat. Don't share your faith. I'm okay. You're okay. Whatever you want to do is fine. No. Let's give a witness for Jesus. Amen. Hosea chapter 6 verse 1 says, Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us. Praise God. In the third day he will raise us up. There's the resurrection principle. And we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and the former rain on the earth. Tired of the futuristic prophecies. Tired of it. Tired of hearing people say, we'll save the Lord. I'm tired of people looking at the weather report and seeing that it's going to be very hot in California, and they're prophesying hot weather, winds, Fires. Man, you don't have to be a prophet to know that. Don't read your weather report and then give me a prophecy that you're some great prophet. Come on. That's like prophesying snow in upstate New York. Just say it to the Lord, it's going to snow in the winter. Oh, hallelujah. He is a prophet of God. Are you serious? Don't listen to the weather report and give me a prophecy that you're some great man of God. Doesn't work for me. I've been around too long to know that stuff. The people, they sit at the feet of these people. Once the next prophecy comes, I've never seen so many people prophesy so much like every other day for an hour. And people, they, oh, did you hear that prophecy? Did you hear that prophecy? Did you see that on the internet? What did you see? You know where the prophecy is? Right here. There's a more sure word of prophecy, and it's the word of God, my friend. This will never lead you astray. This will never put you in a ditch. This will never give you a false hope. The early rain came in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to close. The latter rain, Acts chapter 2, verse 17. God is pouring out both, I believe, in the last day, and he's going to pour out even more. For those that want to, close their umbrella, their spiritual umbrella, and say, God, pour it upon my head. Praise the Lord. What's God saying to us? He has a plan. God has always had a plan. Ever since the Garden of Eden, ever since Adam and Eve fell, God has had a plan, a plan of redemption. But he has a plan for his people. And he has a plan for you to have a fruitful season. Listen, we're not done. We're not dead. God's not dead. Listen, if God was dead, I would, get, I would know about it because I'm next of kin. And I have not gotten a, an obituary, praise God, on my phone yet. Hear what I'm saying? I said, God's not dead. I'm next of kin. 
If that happened, I would know first, and so would you. But God will not die. He rose again, praise the Lord, and he proved to the world. He shocked the world, and he's going to shock the world one more time, one more time. But I want to be part of his world, that's the remnant believer and the remnant church, to do his will in the last day, to help other people come to the knowledge of the truth of Jesus Christ. Let me close. One of my favorite verses, Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. God's not against you. To give you an expected end, which means a successful end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. There's the key, my friend. Searching for God. He said, if you seek me early, you'll find me. So many people allow the enemy to interfere with their walk with God and come up with so many excuses of why they can't seek the Lord. Listen, there's nothing more important in this world right now than to seek God for your vineyard, for your church, for your family, to guard your heart, and for your children. Listen, there's a malicious attack coming against our children. I said there's a malicious attack coming upon our our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. It's a malicious attack that they don't want children just to grow up to be children anymore. They want to indoctrinate our children with all kinds of crazy stuff that children don't even understand or want to understand. Let kids be kids. Let kids be kids. We were growing up. We didn't have all this nonsense. We went to school to learn reading, arithmetic, and writing. That's, that's what we went to school for. And I thank God for good teachers like, like this young lady here and, and, and the teachers, homeschooling teachers, my daughter-in-law, and, and, and the teachers in, in the Christian school that, that teach. I, I, I thank God for that. That, that. That's what teaching is about. Teaching is about telling our kids, hey, this is reading, writing, and arithmetic. And when you're a Christian parent, teaching them the word of God, the Bible, praise God. Not this other nonsense of, listen, we're male and female. Praise God. That's what the word of God says. And I'm not going to go against the word of God. He made male and he made female. And we should know what we are by this time. Anything to confuse children. Let them be kids. Let them scrape their knee. Let them fall off their bicycle once in a while. Exactly. I mean, a pound of dirt didn't kill me. Right. All right. Dried up frogs on the Too many children have to grow up so quickly. Let them be. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to fall down. They're going to scrape their knees. But you know what? That's why you're a parent. Because you did the same thing. And somebody picked you up somewhere along the line. Amen. The Bible says in Psalm 40 and 3, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he had put a new song. Listen, this is your season. And he put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Why? Because they'll see the new song in your mouth. And lastly, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. It's the past. What we were, what we used to be is gone. It's been covered by the blood of Jesus. Don't let the enemy entertain you with your past sins and put guilt and condemnation and shame on you. 
And go around thinking, oh, I'm a bad this or I'm a bad that. No, I'm a child of God. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Praise God. Royal blood flows through my veins. Put away the former things. Neither consider the things of old. Behold, listen to this now. This is prophetic and this is for now. I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. What's the new thing? Renewal. God wants to repair. God wants to refresh. God wants to give us a new hope, a new vision, and a new season with God and with other people. This is our time. This is our time. This is our day with the Lord. This is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. Today, God wants to pour out the former and the latter rain upon his people to give us a fruitful season, to help us to guard our vineyard, our church here, and our families, and our children, and build a hedge around them with prayer, and love, and compassion, and discipline, and teaching the principles of the word of God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you for the word, for your passion, for your compassion. Thank you for the rain, the former and the latter rain pouring upon us. And thank you, Father, for healing and renewing us with a song in our mouth, with a step in our walk and a spark in our eye. We thank you, Father, that you have blessed us today with your favor. And God, that favor is open every day that we're breathing. Hallelujah. Because, Lord, you want to pour out of your spirit upon us, Lord God, as the new husbandmen that are taking care of your churches, taking care of your families, oh God. That's what we do, Lord, as parents and as dads and moms and pastors and preachers and so on and so forth. That's what we do, God, because that's the assignment that you've given us. You've given our families, aunts and uncles and people who are Christians to come and gather together to bolster our families and build that hedge around us in prayer. And we thank you for them. And God, we just pray, Lord, that our season of fruitfulness will continue, that you will help us, Lord, as people contact us. We give them hope as we contact them and give them hope. Lord, it's your doing, and we give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and thank you for coming.